This is a Federal News Network podcast. Federal programs sometimes live long after the events that inspired them. Remember the Troubled Asset Relief Program, or TARP? It was launched as one of the responses to the housing financial crisis of 2008 near the end of the George W. Bush administration. Well, TARP is still going, and with an update on what it's like to oversee something like this, the TARP Special Inspector General, Christy Goldsmith-Romero. Ms. Goldsmith-Romero, good to have you on. Oh, it's uh, my pleasure to be on. Thanks for following this. And do you ever feel like you are in the ultimate backwater here, dealing with something that predates so many other horrible crises that have hit the nation since then? It's amazing how the tail on some of these crises really affect people who can't recover as fast as some of the larger institutions. And so we're happy to help in any way we can. So tell us about the TARP program. Review briefly what it specifically is and how it works. Yeah. So if you recall back in 2008, there was this domino effect as Wall Street financial institutions were failing one after another. So Treasury Secretary and the Fed chairman come into Congress and they ask for a $700 billion federal rescue, emergency relief, because these financial institutions on Wall Street were so interconnected to each other that it was causing the domino effect. But one of the things they say at the time was they had not realized how interconnected Wall Street was to Main Street because people have retirement savings and college savings and mortgages and small business loans. And so what ends up happening is Treasury and the Federal Reserve tell Congress that if they can provide this relief to banks, it'll stabilize them so that they can stabilize lending to Main Street and also ensure that there's no losses. So Congress votes TARP down. And that's really important. And Congress says, I want two things. First, dedicated oversight through a special inspector general that finds fraud, waste, and abuse and makes sure these programs are working right. That's us. The second is Congress says, Treasury, you cannot just bail out banks and Wall Street. There's a foreclosure crisis going on, so you've got to address that. And so that's what's really largely TARP today. It's these homeowner assistance programs that still exist today and will for years. Now, the silver lining is, like you said, here we're in a, another crisis related to the pandemic. So it's actually, these programs are helping a lot of people who are struggling stay in their homes. And therefore, what is left of TARP? What is the scope of it? And what specific aspects of TARP do you spend most of your time overseeing? There's a few banks left, but really there's two main housing assistance programs. The one is called HAMP. It's been around since 2009, and there's 700,000 people throughout the nation who are participating in it. So with that, they get a lowered mortgage payment to one that's affordable and sustainable, and that will go on for several more years. There's a second program called the Hardest Hit Fund, and it used to be Hardest Hit Fund due to the financial crisis. That's a grant-like program that gives federal TARP dollars to a number of different states that help put those dollars towards homeowners' mortgage payments. In April, I said, look, there's a COVID crisis to Treasury. You need to switch this to hardest hit by the COVID crisis. And that is exactly what has happened. You know, if someone is suffering a hardship and can't pay their mortgage due to COVID unemployment or underemployment or illness, that program's there to help. Now, the reason why these programs still exist is because the money wasn't spent. There wasn't really the focus on speed and urgency and getting the money out during the crisis and the years after. And so it'll continue to be available as long as those funds are available. 
So one of the things we do is we identify roadblocks to what is stopping those funds from going out the door. We're trying to speed the distribution of these rescue funds. So just one example is sort of the work we did with Congressman John Lewis. We told them in, in Georgia, they just weren't getting the money out. And so he worked with us and said, could you do a deep dive? And we ended up finding out that the Georgia state agency was what they called guarding the funds for what they called responsible homeowners. But what it meant was if you were in DeKalb County, Fulton County, or Cobb County, in these minority neighborhoods, you weren't getting it. There were all these roadblocks put up and we worked with legal aid to try to figure that out. But it was things like you couldn't give copies of your tax returns. You had to go to the IRS and get tax transcripts in 30 days, which is nearly impossible. So we really worked to fix that program. So that's one of the things we do. And the other thing is, you know, we're a law enforcement office that's working on investigations and working with the Department of Justice to bring prosecution. We're speaking with Christy Goldsmith-Romero, Special Inspector General for the Troubled Asset Relief Program. So then this program, unlike some SIGs, SIGs, or Special Inspectors General, there's no sunset date like there is for, say, Afghanistan in Iraq before that. Yeah, so I think Congress learned its lesson on that. And so what they did was they said the sunset is you're around as long as the program is around, which makes sense because, you know, we're the experts in the program and know how to uh, find where there's going to be fraud or where it's not operating at its best. And you answered, I think, in part my next question, and that is there is still congressional interest in this program from time to time. They haven't forgotten about it. Absolutely. And I'm constantly on the Hill talking to members of Congress. Remember that that relief is out there. And so Congress is very interested in making sure that it's running smoothly. There's people participating in every single state. So they want it to go well. They don't want to have fraud, waste and abuse that ends up hurting people and hurting the ability to get these funds out to people. And where in the government do these programs live? They're in Treasury, right? Yeah, they're in Treasury. And I think one of the things that needs to happen is the new Treasury Secretary coming in is going to have to look at those and prioritize. I don't think people often even know that they exist or know the good that they're doing to help, particularly in this time of COVID. So if someone wanted to get a HAMP loan or a hardest hit program help, you can still get it if you can demonstrate need and so on. So on the hardest hit fund, depending on your state, you can still get it. And HAMP, it's right now it's locked for the 700,000 people that are in it, but they've got about $2 billion that they're still spending. Now, when we're looking at, for example, we do law enforcement, right? So we are looking backwards as to fraud, crime, other things that may have happened. So the work we've done has already led to criminal prosecutions against 450 defendants. We also worked with DOJ to bring the civil actions against basically all of the largest banks for homeowner and consumer abuse. So our focus right now, after we had done a lot of the work related to um, bankers being criminally prosecuted and being sentenced to prison, we still have a few of those, but our highest priority right now is really trying to find illegal actions by financial institution, the large banks, the large non-bank mortgage servicers in HAMP that ultimately hurt homeowners because they end up in foreclosure. Interesting. And because of the nature of the work, have you been approached for advice or anything by, say, the people overseeing the SBA's PPP, COVID relief loans? There were business loans and you know the payroll protection program and also personal loans to people. Not so much that programs are all that alike, but the mechanisms and the oversight needs seem to be similar. 
Absolutely. And there's lessons learned that directly apply. Like one of the things we were doing is in the first uh, several years, we were really focused on bank fraud because most of the money was going to banks. All of a sudden we start seeing scammers and the scammers are going after homeowners who are trying to get into these programs and get assistance. And the stories from the victims are really just heartbreaking. So one of the things we do is we do as many criminal prosecutions as possible. So we expand from working just with DOJ to state prosecutors. We even work with Kamala Harris, who as California Attorney General prosecuted some of these cases. But one of the things I was very focused on was how to prevent these scams in the first place. This is directly relevant to what's happening now. And so we knew that a lot of people were being scammed and learning about these on the internet. So what we did was we worked with Google and Yahoo and Bing to shut down websites that bore the hallmarks of the fraud. But we wanted to get behind the people of those websites so that they didn't just open a new website. So we worked with them to shut down, you know, about a thousand names associated with those websites. Then we formed a task force in government where we tried to educate homeowners as to what's a hallmark of a fraud. What should they be suspicious about? So if someone tells you, oh, there's a fee to get into this program. Or don't talk to your lender, don't talk to your bank, you know, and that's all stuff that's directly relevant now. But taking this 360 degree approach, preventing fraud, preventing scams, and then investigating and prosecuting them, that's the benefit of an IG. That's a direct lessons learned for the programs right now. Yeah. So these fraudsters in some ways share characteristics of those that are peddling phony vaccines right now. Right. And also the phony PPE equipment you know, all of that. Or if someone tries to get the loans through their lender, but someone's saying, don't go through your lender, go through me, I can get you through the program. That's exactly the same thing we saw. I mean, look, ultimately, crisis related crimes are crimes of opportunity. So because we're experts, we sort of see where those opportunities are, and we're constantly assessing the threat. And the same thing has to happen now. So if you see an offer for a hardest hit loan on Groupon, maybe go somewhere else. You know, a lot of times it's the banners that when you're on the internet or the things that pop up when you're on your your email or social media. So it's really about going directly to the source. So if it's a hardest hit fund, it should be a state housing finance agency, you know, as opposed to somebody else. And we've seen those scams as well. Christy Goldsmith-Romero is Special Inspector General for the Troubled Asset Relief Program. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks. I really appreciate you uh, putting a focus on this. This is a really important program going on during this COVID crisis, so it's good for people to know that it's still there and available. Okay, close your eyes and imagine. Well, unless you're driving. Yes, imagine you bought a scratch ticket from the Iowa Lottery. Or someone gave you one. Yes, right, and you scratch, and you've won. One big. Yes, in fact, there are 13 holiday games with big cash prizes. And if you don't win, play it again. You can still win up to $100,000 in the VIP club. But you have to enter and see rules and complete details at IALottery.com slash VIP. Yes. Thank you. Woohoo! Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.